through these deep breathings, breaths, you congratulate yourself for actually having noticed that this thought has come up. And then by doing that, you can then move into a more healing direction, more healing positive step. Electric Soil Podcast. Imagination is the electric soil of creation. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, I have a very special guest on the show. His name's Christian Coelho. Did I get it right? You did indeed. Yes. Okay. Christian Coelho, a friend of mine. Uh, We've been in uh, the same lifted community, lifting coaching community for the past probably half a year by this point, which has been fantastic. He is also a yoga instructor and he's in the midst of writing a book, which is due to be out spring 2022. The working title or subtitle for it right now is Healing Takeaways from the Philosophy of Yoga. So yoga instructor. Coach extraordinaire, Christian, welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. How are you today? Thank you for having me, my friend. When you say we've been kind of connecting for the past six months, it feels like, it feels less. The time kind of goes, isn't it? So oh. it's... Uh, definitely, it's definitely. It's, uh, it's funny, uh, funny you mentioned that. So like the perception of time, as far as like, I don't know how it is for you, but like the older you get, I, I just had this conversation with Jeff, my, my previous interview that we'd done and we we're kind of talking about it because in one sense, time goes by so much quicker uh, because as you grow older, there's more routines, there's more of a degree of autopilot because you're, you get stuck in these, not stuck might not be the right word, but the, you, you run these routines as far as, uh, you know, your career, all of a sudden you've been doing the same thing for five, 10, sometimes 15 from in my case, 22 years. And all of a sudden, the years kind of quick go very quickly in that sense. But then, when you're experiencing something new, whether it's you know the, the coaching uh, certifications that we're doing, and you're you're fully engaged in something, uh, it's very much different. Where everything feels so much more epic and has these like different layers of the wisdom and experience that you've picked up over your life, where you can really sort of pinpoint and be so, sort of fully engaged in it. Uh, so it's kind of this duality of like, you know, time goes by very slowly because you're enjoying something you know how to fully enjoy something and be engaged and then on the other hand man it clips by so quickly like weeks turn into months and before you know it here we are at the end at time of recording the end of 2021 so it is crazy it is crazy and it's it goes back to one of the first things i feel is important in generally in in yoga and meditation is teaching us how to slow down Mm. and recognize that when we do that time this conception of time and the experience that we have with time is quite different and we actually have a lot more time than our ego and our list of things to do kind of tends to to play out in our heads so yeah I find that even with being a yoga teacher and running my own running my own business here in London in the UK people seem to have the idea that you know being a yoga teacher is like oh you know, you're totally zenned out, right? You're always like chilled. But, you know, behind the scenes, we have a lot of admin and work to do and the list of things and bills and taxes. I mean, just life, you know, but uh, it's it's a beautiful reminder that sometimes when we get to the mat and we do the practice and we sit to meditate or whatever spiritual practice that you you have, it shifts our perception, which I think is is overall, the any authentic yoga practice has this intention of shifting our consciousness from the ego from the things that we think we need to do and all the time go 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 to the realm of the self however you see that the heart your spirit your soul and i think when that happens then absolutely as you said the perception of time just 
warps <laughs> time and space. Completely. What a great place to start. Uh, you, there, you said a few different uh, things that we could go down different roads, and I think we will go down all of them. But let's start with uh, with you. With uh, I, I found it fascinating. I think, like to your point, a lot of people's uh, you know preconceived notions of you as a you know a yoga instructor and, and one of meditation and such is they don't realize that in, in fact behind the scenes you do have the same list of problems uh, you know that other people are going through. And in fact, you did, you've had a quite your own personal healing journey in this last, you know, four, six plus months, especially this year of 2021. So uh, if let's get into that, because this very much your personal healing journey has very much paralleled the book that you're creating. And I have a feeling that there's a lot of marriage between the two as far as you working through your own personal issues and how it then applies to the bigger picture in, as far as writing this book. And, you know, what better way to be able to articulate that to your readers is something that you personally have gone through and can use as a, as an example, you're your own test subject in that sense. So let's, uh, let's Absolutely. get into that. If you don't mind uh, sort of unpacking, uh, you know, you've had a, a fairly roller coaster ride, tumultuous, uh, 2021. So if you don't mind, let's, uh, if you don't mind sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, even writing the book was a, an interesting process because it took me way back in time to my childhood stuff, you know, previous to 2021, previous to everything that I've experienced in the past six months. It went back to a time frame in my life where both my parents had a lot of struggles with dependency on alcohol and drugs. And witnessing that as a child was really interesting to, and also being part of these meetings um, I believe it's, it's the same in English, like narcotics anonymous meetings. Yeah, that yes. It's open, right? Mm -hmm. So it's open, these open meetings where, you know, you're allowed to come and, and, and see what's, um, what they have to share. And each person, you know, um, shares their story, what they're going through. And one of the things, one of the first things that I remember was just being really humbled as in like, just this bigger picture of like, everyone is just going through stuff, you know? And like, to my perspective, being quite young and seeing these big adults, you know, people that are much bigger than I am, who supposedly should, should be like, have that shit together, have that like stuff together. Um, sorry. No, I'll uh, get, I'll get. <laughs> then it was, it was like, yeah, underneath the facades, we're all going through our, through our own things. And and then another thing that I remember listening and feeling kind of inspired by and empowered by was that sentence that in Portuguese was só por hoje, which is just just for today. I think it's the same. That's what they said at least after each after they finished sharing was like just for today, you know, like just for now. I'm good. I am in recovery. I am sober. It's a daily practice, you know, and I think. I just remember having this feeling, this visceral feeling of leaving these meetings, feeling really empowered and appreciative to the opportunity that we all have of every day starting again. Mm. You know, regardless of what we go through, we have this opportunity to start again. Like right now, we have an opportunity to change our life. Right now, we have an opportunity to shift our perception, shift gears to something that we feel proud of. And hey, some days is like easier than others, you know, like some days we feel like we are happier in this endeavors than others. But what I find inspiring is to see that, and I've been seeing that from a very early age, is that's 
that's life's journey, you know, like that's what we're here to do, to continuously and every day evolve with the rise of every sun, you know, every morning we have the opportunity to start again. And I think from from this moment of my life, I kind of like there was a, a seed of healing and spirituality and deeper connection to this authentic way of living that was planted in my conscious or my subconscious, you know, um, which led me now writing this book and doing what I'm, the work that I'm doing. It makes complete sense that my life is dedicated to that, having experienced that as a, as a child too. So, um, yeah. And I, I guess from, from there onwards, uh, have through the book put together what I believe is at the heart of yoga philosophy and, how that can be truly applicable and relevant to our lives today. And because I found that teaching yoga and, and going to lectures, it can be something that feels quite distant from reality. When you talk about freedom, liberation, like it feels something that is quite far out, something that at least you read in books, you can intellectualize, but like, how do we, how do we actually relate to this in our life? You know, and and I hope that through through this book, I've put some some things in there that can inspire people to to um, to navigate the usual challenges and stresses of daily life to make like uh, to make life a little bit lighter and easier to navigate. Mm. I know that we haven't haven't talked about like specifically what happened in the in the past six months, but no, no, that was like the the source of it all. You no, know? I love that. Yeah, no, that that gives us a it still gives us the 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 grounds to to expand on on the more recent events. But before we do that, I just I love so just to kind of uh, get an idea. You kind of gave a hint there as far as sort of what the book is. Uh, you know, is for is it sounds like it's and it's in your subtitle here as well, he healing takeaways from the philosophy of yoga. So I get the impression there is a lot of, like you say, hints or habits that you can take on yourself that help you integrate as far as like when you're talking the difference the separation almost between like, yes, you can intellectualize these ideas. And yes, they are great. But when real life happens and real life events kind of knock you off your path a little bit, what are these habits or these uh, you know principles that you can live by or these philosophies mm. that you can uh, integrate into your life that will help you get back on the horse a little bit quicker, back on your path a little bit quicker? Is that is that sort of mm. the uh, the idea behind the book? It's it's uh, it's more of a uh, how to almost in a sense. Yeah, it's split. I feel in, in in two parts that I've divided this, and the number one is to give readers an understanding of how yoga has developed throughout history, which is basically the focus of my study at SOAS. So SOAS is a, is a university here in London, the School of Oriental and African Studies. Oh, cool. And they have amazing, amazing courses on, on you know, Eastern philosophy and spirituality. And one of them is, is yoga history, the traditions of yoga, which I've, which I enrolled in and studied for, for two years. And I mean, reading these academic papers was like, even being super interested in yoga, it was tough. You know, it was just difficult. It was targeted to academics, you know. So, and of course, there's a lot more, uh, a lot more people nowadays um, making this shift and like trans pretty much translating this information that can be quite dense into more accessible uh, so that just people that are usually not exposed to that amount of vocabulary can actually understand it. So that's the first part of the book is to give you an outline 
of the development of yoga from the early, 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 early period until basically what we do now on our yoga mats for, you know, for 60 minutes or for 90 minutes. But, um, and then the second part is to basically put all, put this information into like real life events, which is basically the story of my life and how some of these um, concepts and ideas and principles can be, oh yeah, that actually, yeah, that makes sense here. Yeah, that that feels like true to my body in this space, you know. So that's the that's the second part of the book. And then throughout the second part of the book, I give, you know, exercises and things that people can reflect on and do and write. Kind of like also some, some things inspired by what we've been learning with, with Mark in the course as well. Mm. That's the two-part kind of shape of, of the book. I love it. So sort of a distilled version of the history, like you say, like a little more accessible to somebody that isn't necessarily as, uh, yeah, like uh, the material that can be either very dense as far as, uh, you know, tr you know, you have to kind of read the sentence a few times to kind of absorb it. And then you've yeah. sort of distilled it into sort of a, a little more accessible as far as uh, us in like the Western cultures uh, that maybe haven't, uh, you know, had the benefit of going through this program that you have. So almost a translation mm -hmm. or interpretation in as far as you see it and how you can pass it on to your students or readers and then adding the personalization aspect as far as, okay, that's it. now having that's this it. knowledge, this is what you can actually do with said knowledge. So super cool. I, it. I love it, man. That's I can't, it. Wait, can't wait for this. Uh, can't wait to see what you do with this book, man. So that's great. I love it. So that's kind of the bird's eye view of it. We kind of, we know, you know, they've you put spring 2022 attached to it. Super cool. Uh, love to obviously get into some of the philosophies here about yoga, but before we do, mm -hmm. just in the actual process, I'm always interested in the creative mindset and the creative process as far as the actual nuts and bolts of the creator. Do you have any, mm -hmm. uh, any habits as far as, uh, you know, daily, I, I, I do 10 minutes a day. I do half hour a day to write. Do you wait till, uh, you know, do you, do you build up? Cause a lot of people like for me, sometimes for my songwriting, I will build up experiences and ex experiential learning. And then I know at a certain point, say, for example, uh, I signal to myself, if I go to like a cabin in the woods, like we go to the mountains a fair bit, my fiance and I, that is my time to just have that brain drop, mm. brain drop and I'll remember mm. all these little bits and pieces and it all just kind of comes out and the dots connect. That's my personal uh, creative experience. Mm. Uh, aside from that, I keep my tools sharp as far as like I'll practice guitar and uh, singing 10 minutes a day just to keep the, the ba you know, the basic uh, muscle memory there. But that's kind of, mm. that's how I handle it. How, what is your creative process as far as writing this book? Are you freehanding it pen to paper? Is it a mixture, a hybrid of that with computer? Uh, let us, uh, yeah, a little insight on that. How is, how is the, the process of actually writing this book? How has it been for you? It's been, wow. I mean, it's been a lot of ups and downs, but I feel that what has given me the most productivity and if it, like just uh, flow with it is to spend a few moments of meditation prior to writing the book um, or prior to like the writing kind of session. And after doing that, then spending a few moments to acknowledge my, my guides, my, my muse, my inspiration, there's my spiritual helpers who are, you know, next to me and giving me the, the strength to, to basically get out of my own way and put in the, just show up on a daily basis, you know? And I feel when I do that, it really gets me out of like, it's about Christian, it's about me, you know, and it's more about 
it's that metakoyeoyasin, this phrase that like it's for all our relations, you know, it's mm. for it's for the betterment of the world, of you know, humankind. So I I find that this is actually uh to me, one of the most powerful things that I've learned by living in Brazil is connecting to this indigenous spirituality, um, to the Native American um, ceremonies and rituals and journeys and meditations. So I, what I have here is literally next to me, actually right now I was just writing, so I have next to me now a, a candle, the picture of my grandmother, a few sentences that are word as affirmations to build you know, I breathe and I read the affirmations in a similar way to what we've been doing. And uh, and I have the drum and the rattle that I usually sing a song and I invite that energy to be present with me so that, as I mentioned, I can, I can get out more of the thinking brain and hopefully allow this process to flow more through my heart. And hopefully I, I, I can... I can put something on paper that people, when they read it, they're also not reading it just with their heads, but they can kind of get into more of the heartfelt kind of place. Um, but the, the writing process itself, like I'm not a writer. That's, you know, I'm just, uh, I feel like I am, you know, at times improvising, at times thinking, well, if, if, you know, maybe I should have done this a little bit differently, but hey, I'm just like, I'm just doing everything on computer. I have, uh, a separate folder where I put like some draft notes and I have so many notes from like my study at SOAS and the years that I've been teaching and teacher trainings. So I kind of go back to those and slide it back in and then I add the narrative behind it, my story. So the creative process is both within my personal story and also this kind of like breadth of information and uh, and knowledge that I've acquired through years of study and teaching. So it's kind of like a, a combination of them both, you know, but sometimes I feel like eh, I, sh I should be more probably effective in my time if I did this you know, slightly differently. But um, yeah, it's, it's a learning process, you know, but I'm really like, I've been finding quite a lot of peace doing it. And I can already sense that to myself, that is a big slay of a dragon you know because um in the past year i've kind of like dropped it and started it and dropped it and started it and felt a lot of resistance to doing it which um indicates to me that is it is that is exactly why i need to do it mm. <laughs> you know i love it i love it yeah so yeah so that's the choice and that's where a lot of people have this this choice and and that's what separates you know i think people that accomplish uh accomplish things is, is how you frame it how you reframe it right so a lot of people would if they, as soon as they they get uh you know some resistance it's like you know what this isn't for me i'm not a writer and they just leave it right and they st speak in these negations whereas you you are looking at it as an opportunity you give it some air you give it some room to breathe you come back to it you visit it again you try it on you go okay no no and you're sticking with it so that's the difference between you know with somebody that's uh, that's not as willing to confront their fear or a challenge and versus somebody that will succeed with it. So super cool you touched on that. Let's go a little bit deeper into that because I know from Nyonu, like we're both on the level one certification on Enlifted. And so we had to do some some deep character work, shall we say, in uh, you know some of confronting a lot of our uh, self-doubt and reasons for procrastination and reasons for you know not being able to fulfill uh, goals and such. So I know uh, for you, you had brought up uh, you know, a degree of, and we brought up as a group, imposter syndrome. 
and how that could potentially, especially when you're, you know, you're doing it for the first time, as far as this is your first book, you said, uh, you don't identify yourself as a writer yet. Right. So how does that come up versus the flip side of that, the duality, the flip side of that would be, uh, the muse. So you're, you're feeding yourself, uh, all these different, uh, things to get you out of your own head you know you have your uh you know the picture the, the greater good right the picture of your grandma you got your instrumentation that can help you uh receive something outside of yourself right uh so what is uh, what can you kind of talk about the uh, the duality of of mixing your muse versus confronting the brain the intelligent side of you that's, that's going ah oh, you're not a writer you you know that self-talk that kind of chimes in when it's when things are tough going you should just give up like this isn't for you you're not a writer. <laughs> like that so how what's, what's the balance like that for you how and how has it changed over the last year with that you've been picking away at this how how have you become more aware of it yeah that is that is it and there's a word in, in the philosophy of yoga that it basically is viveka which is this discernment and the discernment that yoga philosophy speaks about is between what is yourself within the realm of yourself and closest to that would be in the same realm is the realm of your angels, the muses, you know, my, mm. your guiding stars and discerning between that and between the voices of the ego and ego is that part of the psyche that says that I am separate, that, you know, if I hurt you, I don't hurt me or mm. there nothing else exists than the physical realm. There's no, there's when the body dies, I die, you know? And, and I think the, the biggest shift that yoga helps us to make is to be able to better discern when these voices kick in and to know that they are temporary and we're not completely attached to them. And it's, it's a process, you know, of catching yourself and breaking that pattern. So I, I believe that what has helped me the most in the past few months is to be able to do this work of um, pattern interruption. Mm. Whereas, and I invite you, like, and everybody who's listening to this, it is part of our yoga practice. If you go to any yoga classes to say, okay, now focus on your breath. When you lose track, you come back to your breath. And if you lose attention again, you come back to your breath or you always have something that you kind of come back to as an anchor. And I relate to this in my, in my daily life and writing in my relationships and in my interactions that whenever I have these voices that says, mm, you're not good enough, or mm, that person is better than you, or that person is more knowledgeable than you are, or you're not, you don't belong here. You're not lovable, whatever. I know that I can just take a step back, take a full breath in, full breath out and break that pattern of going further into that story and that in itself is good enough you know so in the book one of the exercises that um i recommend which is actually i learned through through anna forest which was one of my teachers and she developed her own method called forest yoga is is called formula for change which is basically anytime that you catch yourself hearing these these kind of thoughts and these imposter syndrome or these stories come up you stop you take a full breath in and a full breath out. And rather than going into self-mutilation thinking, oh, here I am again, watching, binging on Netflix until 2 a.m. or eating the peanut butter until the thing is over, or here I am again doing whatever it is that I'm doing. And there's the shame associated with that. You, through these deep breathings, breaths, you congratulate yourself for actually having noticed that this thought has come up. And then by doing that, you can then move into a more healing direction, more healing, positive step. So, 
And I think this really ties up, I think, one of the one of the sections of the book that I talk about is on the idea of, of karma, which in literal meaning from Sanskrit means action. You know, every action that we do has these like ripple effects. You know, it's uh, leaves like an imprint in our in our mind. So what we do, if it's a healing, positive, and like harmonious uh, action that is in alignment with ourself, with our breath, which is like the action that feeds our life, the the ripple effect, this imprint will be one of that same quality and of that same nature. And the more we do that work, the more this imprint grows in like strength, the more part of more part of us it is. And it works in both ways. You know, if if it's something that is negative, an action, a karma that leaves a negative, heavy, lethargic imprint, the more we do that, the more strength it also kind of gathers. But um, so kind of tying back to one of the one of the teachings that I that I relate to in my life that has helped me in my creative process is that pattern interruption, which is yeah. Again, some days I feel I'm happier than that in others, but it's it's a learning curve for sure. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. The thing is, uh, I think the key, safe to say, is the awareness, because I think there's a lot of people mm -hmm. that are so reactionary. Uh, you know, myself included. And on a bad day, I can. Uh, I'm not as aware of why I'm doing something. I get angry. I get frustrated. I, I can't deal with the resistance as, you know, then you start kind of the victim mentality type thing starts creeping back in. And I'm a lot better with it now. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, being human, uh, that you are going to be susceptible to that, especially if it's you're tired or there's other ex extenuating circumstances attached to it. So I just love the idea that, that you can, in fact, like I love it exactly how you worded it, pattern disrupt. And it can be as simple as just taking one breath and it's just, you, mm -hmm. then you, you're, you're lowering the cortisol, you're calming yourself down, you're getting yourself back into like, you know, that parasympathetic state and, uh, and just the awareness, just putting the awareness and then all of a sudden you're responding versus just a reaction where like the knee jerk, somebody hits you in the knee, you kick your leg, it's, you, you're creating that just that little bit of space, just that five second pause is enough to kind of absolutely course correct. So, and I think it's it also ties up to this idea of just what you do for your own nourishment. You know, I feel that when I'm when I do my meditation, when I take my walk in the park, you know, when I do these things that feed me, I can be much more aware of myself instead of just kind of waking up and doing work and going do stuff, do, you know, that, that level of self-care and that level of uh, nourishment of self goes, I think, really hand in hand with the awareness that you just, that you just mentioned. Mm. So let's talk a little bit more about some of these philosophies of yoga. So like we've, you know, we've talked, touched on a few. I like the, the idea of, you know, we're, we're defining karma a little more, uh, a little more nuanced than I think a lot of the Western, you know, Western civilizations look at karma. It's just like, more of an extreme case it's like if you do something really bad you'll get something really bad back very quickly like it's almost a caricature of what karma actually is Car karma is a lot more nuanced and uh, and oftentimes more gradual and there's a lot more to it than I, I that i get the impression of you know how i learned it growing up i always just thought karma is like you know you reap what you sow and you you think of it as like extreme cases as opposed to how you described it where it's just like almost the ripple effect where just one even one small deed 
or even a couple can all of a sudden have this like ripple effect. I love how you articulated mm-hmm. it as such. So talked about karma. What else can we uh, talk about as some of these philosophies, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, what, what you talk about in the book and just in general, like what do you, what are some of your teachings to, uh, to your uh, students these days? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, at the, at the very heart of it, I feel that, what yoga guides us to understand is that is to again understand our human condition beyond the sense of that we create in our mind that there is beyond the constructed self that we have and that we operate in the world that is a very important part of life because that's the world that we live in there's also a different um very different way that we can operate that we can live by and um embody and i think this is and then I don't think people realize this, but this is unconsciously what we all strive for, whether we do this by, you know, dancing until 3 a.m. with like drugs, alcohol, we're all, or whether we're like getting really creative in front of a canvas as a painter or if you're a musician, we're all kind of um, striving to and yearning for this sense of wholeness, the sense of union, which I believe goes back to the the root word of, of yoga is to bring things together, is to unite um, and f- kind of break the sense that we are divided from the whole, you know, and when we live in, in that way, then it's a much more, we can act from a much more wiser and compassionate place and make much better informed choices and actions and build on that karma, build on those impressions, on these samskaras. Um, And just break that cycle of believing that everything we say is absolutely true and permanent and eternal or fixed, you know? And uh, it's it's in in the silence, in the stillness, that we can also touch to that higher self, your wiser self, however you understand that in your life. Um, Yeah, and I think the practices that we do, for example, in our yoga mats with our asana and the pranayama and the work that we usually do is to basically get ourselves free from the stuff that is like the veils of illusion that are on our way from already identifying to something that is already present and always has been present but there's just a lot of noise and distractions that is in front of it and it's interesting because there is a specific text that i focus on in this book which is the yoga sutras and it's a text that it's considered to be the heart of yoga philosophy right it's the text that was written like two thousand years ago by this, this sage that is is known by the name of patanjali and um I use specific sutras or verses from these, from this text and, um, and bring it to life in this second part of the book. And the interesting thing in like, I think the, the heart of that, of that text is that who we understand ourselves to be as, as the ego is something that is completely separate to our, our self, capital S self. And the main reason why we are suffering in life is to mistake them both, mistake the two, to say like, I am happy or I am sad, to create a sense of identification of yourself to something that is 
impermanent. Mm. So base your sense of self, which is eternal, pure, transparent, to something that in its root is ephemeral, that comes and goes, you know, and that for that book, that the word for that is avidya, which basically means that kind of ignorance, or I like to think of it as like, I forgot, you know, like I forgot that I'm not just that mind. I forgot that I'm not just, you know, that which comes and goes, you know, and but it's, it's, um, it's through that pattern interruption that I feel we can be better and better this discerning. And that word again is viveka, discerning what is true from what is not true, discerning what is pure from what is impure, what is yourself to what is not yourself, all the other stuff that is around it. So, yeah, when you're saying impure, I'm viewing that is like those illusions, those distractions. That's the impurities that we get caught exactly. up in, right? And we start attaching yeah. to those and that's where this... And it's it's interesting because at that context in India, and that's what some, you know, um, some books don't take, that into in, don't take that into consideration. But at that time in India, the body was seen as something impure. You know, the, the physical body was seen as something to be transcended because it is not, it, it comes and goes as something like, you know, we realize now that the body is like this today, but in like 10 years time is different. And then it's continues changing. And then the mind is also continues changing. But, um, and that is part in the realm of Prakriti. That's the word that is used rather than the self that never changes. You are the, the seat of yourself, which is in, in, in the text coined as your Purusha. Um, so yeah, it's interesting because yoga nowadays is seen in the context of like empowering the body, body affirming, you know, the self-care of your body. But at that time in India it was seen as something impure, um, something to be transcended. Um, so it just goes into, in, go, it goes into like, a, it's, it's, it's interesting because a lot of the time is what most um most people do is that they read that text and they cherry pick. Mm, that looks nice here. Mm, that doesn't look so nice here. I yeah. won't talk about this, you know, like, um, so, but that, that is, that is the context, you know, that text at that time in India was directed for people that wanted to renounce from the world. They were like, this world is too screwed up. You know, I'm going to the forest, I'm going to the cave and I'm going to renounce so that I can connect to something that is more real because yoga they they believed ancient yogis that what we have inside of us is more real than what is outside and their their way of doing that was through that kind of like abandoning social responsibilities abandoning you know life in the world and going into the forests for and, and do all sorts of asceticism and penances and breath techniques and techniques of concentrating the mind, um, which later came to be known as yoga. That's fascinating stuff. And just to think that, because yeah, the, my introduction to it, like over here in Canada, you know, I would say over the last 10 years specifically, there's been a big uptake in, in yoga. And very much so it was viewed, to me, it was introduced as exactly that, a uh, body enhancement and and, uh, you know, something they, you know, it'll help you be a little more mobile and it's sort of a vehicle to help you, uh, age better in, as far as just in your body. And with the secondary thought of, it also helps you mentally. Uh, but so my first mm. experience with it was, I found it to be very much the opposite for me as even working out, even doing resistance weights or jogging, 
I very much champion the mental side of working out over the physical side. Physical side's great. It's a great uh, secondary sort of byproduct of it. But I've always found that the thoughts, the linear thinking comes back to you, returns to you after you've done a good yoga session. Whereas you're not so, I, I do a lot of periphery thinking where I have like five sentences going on in my head. I'm not finishing any of them. I'm trying to like multitask, I think more than anything. And as soon as I come out of yoga, it's just like, okay, I can, my self-talk actually is finishing its own sentences. It feels very yeah. calm and like I'm making progress with the conversations in my head versus just this almost like addressing five different reporters questioning you five different things and you're trying to answer them all at the same time and not quite answering any of them. That's sort of, I guess that would be my, uh, my own perception. So it's, it's yeah, funny. It's, that, it, uh, it, yeah. It's, it's, it is, it's, it's interesting because it's um, the, the intention of, of this first part of the book is to basically give people that introduction to the history and say that there is no traditional yoga there's no one true yoga but there's been many different traditions and and ways that people have approached the practice that are quite different and that's why it's so confusing when people go to yoga class and they hear teachers say this is the true yoga and then they go to another teacher that says no 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 no. this is what is like true you know and they're very different and that's just how the practice has been throughout history. People have adapted, innovated, changed it, depending on the context, the circumstances, the philosophical backgrounds. And it's all under the rubric, under the umbrella of yoga. So it can be quite kind of difficult to understand what it is when it's it means so many different things for so many different people. So, um, yeah, for some traditions, yoga does mean union. For others, it means the exact opposite of union. It means separation, like we were talking about, this, the discernment of what is yourself from what is not yourself. Um, and it's, it's, it continues to change until this day. It's fascinating, too, just as I'm listening to you phrase it as you did it, it kind of reminds me of of you know just working out in general right now that you have all these different so you got the, the subgenres of of just working out right you got crossfit all these different uh, things and you know everybody that ha- say if you're into crossfit that's the way to work out i'm not going to work out any other way so it's almost uh, it's similar i think in yoga like where people like you say they're like no this is the true essence of yoga is here and you know what I mean? And there's probably all these almost like genres of yoga that have developed under the big umbrella of the word yoga, right? So fascinating. I, I definitely am looking forward to seeing how your book can kind of clear it up as far as getting tracing back the actual roots because it is very interesting. And it is one of the, I would think anyways, correct me if I'm wrong, one of the oldest expressions of, you know, uh, I guess just movement, med, moving meditation that connects yourself with so much other, there's nothing quite like it. And it's, it's a, almost like this ancient form of, of uh, working out, I guess, for lack of a better term and connecting and reconnecting. <laughs> right. So it's uh, it's pretty fascinating stuff. It's, it's, it's interesting, you know, like, because a lot of, a lot of the people that get very challenged or perhaps um, a lot of the yoga people that feel personally attacked a lot of, from the research that is currently being done in like, academic institutions like SOAS or other academic institutions around the world who are actually reading these Sanskrit texts and realizing that actually what we do on the mat is not that old, you know, like the physical form of movement practice is something that is a product of quite a recent development on exchange between, you know, India and the West, between between the British 
colonial period and new forms of body movement being introduced to India and that being already kind of like kind of like meshed mingled with the traditional hatha yoga practice but this as you mentioned this science of understanding who we are and the science of the mind and the breath and this life force is absolutely ancient and like uh um has been around for a long 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 time but so to speak the the warrior two reverse warrior trikona you know like the stuff that we do on the mat is something that um is not particularly compared to the history of yoga as a as a science of understanding who you are not that old and when obviously these sanskrit scholars come up with this research and they say hmm actually if you read these texts you know you understand that these things may not be present and people feel like oh no how can you how dare you you know like you know say say that and uh, it's it, it breaks their so to speak authority because you know they've been claiming that yoga is 5000 years old they've been claiming that what they've been doing is you know so 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 old but in fact upon closer kind of examination research we find that of course some elements of it are eternal like you rightly mentioned you know some things are just have always been present you know but others are a product a recent innovation um and kind of a really like creation creativity you know in the past like 100 years cool yeah. cool thanks for clearing that up yeah that totally makes sense the way you explain it so we kind of talked about you know your scholastic background as far as the studying aspect of this. Let's get a little bit into uh, your your journey as far as like going to Brazil and getting a little bit more into like the spiritual side. So we've talked about the intellectual side, the studying, you know, going through the books and pouring through that and interpreting it and intellectualizing it. Let's get the flip side of that, the more of the spiritual side. What what are some of the trips and and uh, you know, retreats that you've gone to that have kind of exposed you to that whole other side of it, the more uh, spiritual side and, you know, how did that affect you as far as, you know, on a personal level, how it affected your practice, how it affected you as an instructor, and even how it has affected your approach to the book, because that's uh, the whole other side. We've we've delved into a lot of the, uh, the studying and the history and the, uh, you know, the metrics of yoga in a sense. How about the spiritual side? Mm, yeah, I mean, it, it got to a point after I graduated from SOAS that I was like, enough of reading about, like, enough of reading, enough of academic papers, I need to go back home. You know, <laughs> as, as soon as I finish my studies, I'm like, I'm going back home, I'm going back to Brazil to reconnect my roots, you know, to connect to nature and to actually, like, see, understand in a more experiential way what this is about, you know. And one of the reasons why I went also back to Brazil was to open my own yoga studio, which is currently, you know, going. My mom is also a yoga teacher and we opened the business together. So she's currently holding the flag. So awesome. if, anybody's ever in, if, everybody, if anybody is ever in Brazil and wants to practice in Rio, that's where our studio is. Cool. And the, the, the place where I really got to feel this sense of like connection to spirituality and to to myself was with the indigenous people in brazil going to ceremonies shamanic circles sweat lodges meditation group circle experiences um sharing circles so it was really at there in ceremony that i connected to the heart of what i believe yoga is about and I found a lot of parallels between, you know, these 
these practices that are, you know, as Carl Jung would say, this like un, un this like unconscious, like unconsciously we all share, you know, as a human species, this um, you know, even in different parts of the world, this need to connect to what is sacred, to to break that transition from the realm of the world to the realm of the gods, of the divinity that um, is also part of our life. So it was really in this, it was with my teacher in Brazil, who's who's a shaman and was one of the first people to bring the sweat lodge to, to Rio, to Brazil as a whole, that I've learned that I've like, was deeply, deeply, deeply inspired to, to connect to myself and to work through my stuff because in a way, like doing sun salutations was good, but it wasn't getting there. <laughs> you know, there was just something else that needed to happen in terms of like the nits and grits of it, getting down to earth to the stuff that is like stuck that I felt like chanting Om Shanti, Om Shanti wasn't, wasn't good enough. Was just, wasn't just getting there for me, you know? Um, so I felt like on a more experiential level, the ceremonies, the songs, the prayers, the connection to, to, to the great spirit, to the great mystery, to our sacred path has been incredibly inspiring. And one of the things that I love to teach now is, is forest yoga. Um, because of Anna Forrest, my teacher, who who was also uh, exposed to the Native American way of living and their ceremonies and um, and their rituals, so it was really there that I really connected on a more experiential level, totally in contrast to the academic scholarly kind of level. Yeah. So did you find that combining the two, that's where everything kind of came together and completed for you? Like, do you found? Yeah, that or, man. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, I think that's the way I'm inspired to go and, and teach my teacher trainings and uh, writing the book. Like part one is the more academic part two is the more experiential. Like on, the, on, my, on my teacher trainings, I project a slide with a chronology of yoga. This happened at this date. This happened at this date. And then we kind of like dive into each of this timeline and actually reflect and practice and discuss what is it about how can we relate to it you know so i really feel that that would that to me is a beautiful way of respecting tradition respecting differences but also applying it to what resonates in your heart um, instead of just focusing on the experience of it which it's beautiful but can sometimes be quite divisive and say oh no 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 but this is what i feel is right like this is my experience and it's better than yours you know whereas when you study it on a more from a, from an outsider as as scholars do with a little bit less emotional attachment to it you can kind of understand that actually okay people have done it differently you know like people have approach things differently throughout life and this is also correct for them for them for them for them this is how things have have, have unfolded you know but you still have in your own personal practice and experience that is rooted in your truth. Mm. And that is to me, a, a beautiful balance to have. And, um, and, you know, going beyond the book, what I, what I feel I've been really most ins like inspired by in, in, in life here in London is building a community and people that have come to classes, you know, and uh, one of the things that I'm like most proud of at the moment is, 
uh, our school, me and my business partner, Mona, we have our yoga teacher training school here in London. And uh, that's when we run our, uh, twice a year, we run our teacher trainings and coming up retreats as well. So yeah, if, 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 any, of, if any of you guys are listening want to join us, and it's, it's called High Yoga School to the highest, your higher self. Okay. Your awesome, man. <laughs> I'll definitely link that in the show notes. Uh, is there any Thank other uh, spots on social media that you, do you, do you have uh, anything that you'd like to share uh, aside from the uh, the high uh, high school? Or what did you, sorry, what did you call it? Yeah, high yoga school. High yoga That's school. It. Okay, so I'll, I'll definitely link that. That's anything it. else that you'd like to, uh, anywhere else we can find you online, Christian? Well, you can just put my name on, on, on Instagram, Christian Coelho Yoga. And you can find me on my website. I put all my events there. And obviously, because nowadays, most, most things are hybrid. I'm teaching both in person and online. So it kind of gets easier for people to, to participate. So yeah, Instagram is usually the, 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 the place where I promote on a more kind of like consistent basis. But obviously, everything, I try to update it as much as possible on the website. You can find stuff there too. Excellent. Excellent. No, that's great. Well, I'll have you back on. I want to cast the in, uh, invitation to you right now, as far as when it is time for you to uh, to launch your book. I would oh, love, love to that, have man. you back on and just let you kind of, you know, do a little press release, if you will. Let us know how everything wrapped up for you. So uh, spring 2022, I, I'm casting out the uh, invitation for you right now. So I'd love to have you back I hope. on. I hope I'll be here. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Aside from that, I have a couple quick fun questions. I always like to ask uh, the the uh, you know the guests before they uh, before they leave here. Uh, what are you listening to these days? If we were to look on your phone, your Spotify playlist, uh, what do you what have you been listening to recently? So, one of the things that I do sideline to my yoga is I is I teach and I teach Cuban salsa. Oh, I love salsa. Wow. So, it's Havana de Primera. That's on my playlist. It's it's a Cuban uh, Cuban salsa. Amazing. That's so cool. Oh man, I got to get a link off you for that. That sounds amazing. That sounds super <laughs> cool. Right on. And uh, okay, p- picturing that there's nothing to do with COVID right now. It's out of the picture. What would be your top three places to travel in the world and why? I'd love to go to the Amazon, just because you know, like in Brazil. It's funny, you know, when you grow up in Brazil, you kind of tend to think of, oh, I want to go to Europe, or I want to go to the States, or I want to go to whatever, like, but there's so much richness and, and like vibrancy and just nature that I've heard so much about. But that's one of the places that I'd love to to go in, in, my, in my home country. Um, I've heard so much about also Costa Rica, and it's one of those places that I think are so, uh, I want to organize not just go to visit, but I'd love to organize also something there in terms of a retreat or a teacher training. Um, and my first trip to India was in 2013, which was way back when I hadn't even done any teacher training or study into the you know, Indian culture and yoga tradition. So I'd love to go back and after everything that I've learned so far to, to have just a different perspective um, of that of the culture and, and uh, yeah. So just fingers crossed I can use a bit more of my passport next year. <laughs> <laughs> right. No kidding. No kidding. Well, Christian, thanks so much for coming on the show. Great stuff here. Very much looking forward to seeing how the book, uh, you know, fully transforms and comes to be and gets released and all the rest. So thanks for, uh, you know, taking the time to let us uh, pick your brain a little bit about your process and the book itself and just sharing, uh, 
you know, some just some great knowledge and background on on yoga and uh, and just being a better person. So thank you so much for coming on today. Hey, as I said, your invitation has sparked another gear for me to make this happen. So I appreciate your yeah. your trust and and the and the encouragement and your and your friendship. And I look forward to coming back in the future. <laughs>